obedient. I just love obedience, don't you? All the parents shout amen. I just love obedience. I love the value of obedience. My pastor says this all the time. Never underestimate the obedience of one man. What the obedience of one man can do. One man obeying has changed nations. One man obeying has changed cultures. One man obeying has set precedence uh, uh, for a long time. There is amazing things that God can do with obedience. Many times we... we, uh, We value ability more than we do responsibility. We value the ability to do something. Well, I don't know if I'm able to do that. Go go through the Bible. It's full of incapable, (laughs) unable people that God pulled on to do mighty things for his kingdom. The, 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 The stories that we read, these are individuals that had no clue what they were doing. Had no business doing what they were doing. Had no business even being asked. To be doing what they were doing. It's almost like God would handpick people to do the exact opposite of what they were currently revealing. Oh, you're 75 years old. You can't have kids? Father of many nations. Oh, you're down in the bottom of a, of a wine press, scared, hiding out from all the mighty man of valor. That's, my, that's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. So every time you mark off what you can't do. Just go read Exodus chapter 4 where Moses is standing in front of a burning bush. And he's saying, but God, I can't. But God, I can't. But God, you don't know. But God, my past. But God. And he say, it says actually at one point that his anger started to burn against him. You don't want to get God mad now. It's not like that. You say, man, I, I'm calling you. I know what you're capable of doing. And I know what you're not capable of doing. And I'm still asking you to do it anyway. That's the God that I serve. Because he can do more with obedience than he can with ability. And sometimes you even find that the people that were able to do something were the least likely that God would choose. Amen. So we want to be obedient. So thank you all for being obedient this morning. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. And I want to talk about. You know, I, I, this this month I haven't really just been pulling, hasn't really been a series per se, although I feel that they're connected. Is it hot in here? My gosh. Good Lord, let's open up some doors or something. Um, I'm, I'm not really ministering in a uh, series per se, um, but I feel that these are connected and, and and I, I'm just trying to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants to say here at the beginning of this year, the beginning of, of, of a new season, a new start. Amen. And, um, and, and so, uh, you know, last week we talked about the challenge of commitment. We talked about the importance and the value of remaining committed to something. And if you want to see change take place this year, if you want to see God move, and you're, you're going to have to be committed to his plan, committed to his purpose. And so many times we're only committed up to the first challenge. We're only committed as long as it's comfortable. We're committed as long as it's convenient. But commitment and comfort don't live in the same room. Commitment and convenience, you can't have both. You can have one or the other. You can be committed or you can can have convenience in your life, but you can't have both. And so if you want to see God uh, move in your life, 
uh, you know, you'll learn very quickly, uh, if you haven't been coming uh, a very long time, that we are a challenging church. And we, we put response, we take on the responsibility. Amen. Uh, we know that God's a miracle worker. We know that he can do great things. But, but I'm here to build you up. I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd, the Bible tells me. And the shepherd is there to grow and to develop and feed the flock. And there's no parent in here that you feed your kids candy for every single meal. I can't remember someone told a story recently about their uh, child just blowing up uh, at breakfast because she wasn't allowed to eat cookies for breakfast. Amen. So we can't just go after the candy coated stuff in here, guys. We got to go after the, there's vegetables, there's fruits, there, there's nutrition in here. And it doesn't always feel good going down. It doesn't always sound good going in the ears. But, but the, the fruit that it produces in our life, it challenges us, and, and it'll grow you, and it'll develop you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice here, we're in the, the, the new uh, the, this is after Jesus has died, he's rose again, uh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and, and now he's telling us as believers, um, I know you thought that whole sacrificing thing was done with, but it's still here. I still need sacrifice. I still honor sacrifice, is what God is saying. And this is the thing, God is not holding uh, to, ha- to uh, how it takes place, but he's holding to the principle of the thing. God's still demanding sacrifice today. He's still demanding sacrifice. It just looks different. Thank God we didn't all bring, who brought your sheep and your goat with you? Anybody bring turtle doves? Okay. I don't have an altar. I don't have any incense to burn. We don't have, we're not going to kill anything today that you see. But hopefully every time we come in here, we are offering our lives. Hopefully every time we come in here, we are killing the flesh a little bit more. We're putting down the flesh a little bit more. And it's, it may not make the big mess like, we, like, like, like they saw in the Old Testament. It may not have uh, the smell and the burning flesh. Uh, but, but we should have a spiritual killing fest going on every single time we walk into this place. Putting down the flesh and saying, what can I take on? I want to be a living sacrifice. That's interesting. A living sacrifice, that tells me that it's not an event, it's a process. You can't mark down the day that you said, I, I, I laid down my life. He's saying that this is progressive, this is con- consistent and continual, and it should always be happening in your life. Every time, I mean, every morning we should be waking up, what am I killing today? A living sacrifice. Daily I'm putting something down. Daily I'm sacrificing something for the call. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, acceptable to God. We don't talk about that much because we have this idea in church that God has to take whatever we bring. But he says, I want it acceptable. You know that there were people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that tried to bring unacceptable sacrifices. Go read about it. The whole book of Malachi is all about it. You're bringing me the, the animals that are deaf. And mute, this one's missing a leg. That one can't even see anything. This one looks like it's about to die. You're bringing me that stuff. You're bringing me the leftovers. And, and this is the thing. We expect God to bless whatever we bring him. And, and he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm looking for a living sacrifice, holy, 
I need a holy. See, that's why Jesus had to come. Aren't you thankful that God didn't just send any old thing down here to be worthy of, of laying their life down for you? No, he sent the best. My only begotten son in whom I'm well pleased. This isn't just the garbage stuff that was sitting in the back that I forgot about. This is the best I have, and I'm laying it down for you. And he's saying, I need a holy living sacrifice acceptable to me. That's what I'm asking for from you. He asked for the tithe. He asked for 10%. So you bring 10%. You don't throw a 20 in the plate and say, well, God, that's all I got. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now, but that's okay. This is the truth. God wants to know, are you invested? God is wanting to know, are you willing to put forth the effort? And are we bringing God our leftovers, or are we bringing living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him? This is our reasonable service. It's reasonable. <laughs> what I'm asking for, it's reasonable. We, we said last week, it's a lot, but it's not too much. And God says, that's reasonable. It's reasonable because we lay down what we have, and then we receive all he has. And I'm telling you, it's worth the trade-off. I'm telling you, it's worth the trade-off. I can tell you time and time again where I've laid out what laid down what I felt like was everything that I had, and he multiplied it, quadrupled it, hundred times over. It's like, my gosh. At some point, you start looking at God saying, God, this isn't even fair anymore. I laid down this compared to what you're giving back. At the time when I laid it down, it was all that I had. But it's all he's asking for. All he's asking for is all you got. He will never ask for more than you have. So he's at, if he's asking for it, you have it. But God, that's all the time that I have. That's all I asked for. <laughs> I didn't ask for the time you don't have. All I asked for was the time that you do have. But God, that's, that's, the, last, that's the last of the bank account. Okay, that's all I'm asking for. I've only got 400 in there. I'm not asking for 401. That's reasonable. It'd be unreasonable to ask for what we don't have. He says, this is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's amazing that we, we enter the kingdom of God. We enter lordship of Jesus Christ. We declare him to be Lord over our life. We come into this kingdom, and we're instantly thrust into this struggle of conforming versus transforming. We're instantly thrown into you're either conforming to something or you can be transformed by something. And there's this struggle that's always taking place, and one is pulling on the other, and you never sit in the middle. You never say, well, I don't want to conform to that, but I don't want to transform. No, if you're not transforming, you are conforming. There's no halfway. And this is the kingdom we're living in. This is our life on a daily basis. Am I being transformed or am I being conformed? Am I conforming to what's around me or am I being transformed by what's in me? And see, when I learn to be transformed by what's in me, then I can transform what's around me. But there's a struggle here. And this struggle is what I would like to call today. He calls it, uh, you be conformed 
to the world. That world doesn't that word world doesn't literally mean this planet that we're on. That word world means of this age. It means a, a culture that's surrounding you. So if you're not transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will conform to the culture around you. And and, and I, I see that happening. All over the place. We see it. I mean you you see it. The conforming of of culture, the culture around us, and, and, and you know, I'm I, I'm just at a point now where it's it's getting kind of sickening. It was a little funny at first, but now it's at a point that that culture has lost its mind. As a believer, we see this. You know, even the people in the world know the world is has lost it. They just don't have an answer for it. I'm talking to believers today. I'm talking to people in the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us have been brought out of darkness and been brought into his glorious light. There should be a transformation that takes place within us that we don't become moved by what's around us. Now, why is this important? Because I'm called to change what's around me. Not to deal with what's around me. Well, I'll just deal with it. Come on, Jesus, and come on home. Come through those clouds. I'm looking for them. Got my bags packed, ready to go. But see, this is the mentality that happens when I don't recognize that I have the ability to change what's around me. I have the ability to influence the culture around me. He says we've got to be transformed. Otherwise, we will conform. Conform to the culture around us. And many Christians want to be in the kingdom and still have their foot in the culture of the world. They want to live both. But that's because they devalue what lordship really means. That's because they, they, have, they have accepted Jesus as their savior, but they have not accepted Jesus as their lord, and it's not the same thing. Jesus as your savior is what he did, but Jesus as your lord is who he is. It doesn't say confess Jesus as your savior. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. No, I accept who you are. You are my lord. The word lord means owner. It means manager. The word Lord, the only reference that we have in our day and age is the word landlord. The Lord means that they dictate everything. It belongs to them. Your time belongs to the Lord. Your possessions belong to the Lord. Your money belongs to the Lord. Well, I worked hard for it. He puts you in that place not to make money but to make influence. And you get paid to make influence for the kingdom of God. How awesome is that? Well, they're not paying me enough. They can't pay you enough. You're not, they can't pay you what you're worth. Nobody on this planet can pay you what you're worth. Well, I need a promotion. No, you're, you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. And they won't be able to help but promote you when they find out what you bring to the company and what you bring to the team. And what, but when you come in griping and complaining just like everybody around, around you, why should they promote you when you fall in line? See, God knows how to take care of you. God knows how to take care of us. When we're seeking his purpose and we're seeking his kingdom, all these things will be added unto us. All, what? what are those things? Those things that the world's running after. We should not be running after the same things the world runs after. It should look different. What we're chasing should be different. Than what the world chases. And what's really cool about it is the, is, is the world will be chasing after stuff and then they'll look at you and they'll find that same stuff running after you. 
trying to run you down. I've been trying to get that promotion for 12 years. Man, I just showed up and been faithful. (laughs) Well, you're making that much money? I mean, I just come to work and do my job. They they came to me and talked to me. I didn't ask for it. They said, man, we got to pay you more money. What do you want? What do you need? That will happen. This is the kingdom of God. This is when you learn who you serve, and this is when you learn what culture is. See, we're limited by culture. And see, we have this we have this thing right now. I mean, the culture is dictated today by media. And we're surrounded by it. We even have now social media. And I'm not going to go on a political rant, so stay with me. I'm not going to get all crazy. But what I want to help us understand is that the media tells us what to be upset about. And the media tells us when to be happy about it. Yesterday, coffee was bad for me. Today, it's good. There's a new study presented by the media. And it dictates culture. It dictates the culture around us. Are you hearing me? Just this past Monday, we celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King. Awesome man. Not only was he willing to live for what he believed, but he was willing to die for what he believed. And he wasn't just, if you go back and listen to his speeches now, if you go back and listen to what he was really about, he wasn't just about race. He was about love. See, we, see culture loves to take care of the symptoms. And we never get to the source. And we're popping aspirin for things that we really need a surgical procedure on. Are you hearing me? We're just choking down pain pills, all the, all the stuff that the world will feed you when there's a deeper situation underneath. Marches don't answer anything. That's, a, that's an aspirin. But now when we get the love of God in people. So all day Monday, I mean, my, my news feed on my... Uh, Instagram account is just being blown up by all these things honoring Dr. Martin Luther King. Awesome. I love it. And they're pushing it. Man, what an awesome, awesome man. And, you know, some people want to use it for their own personal agendas. We need to see this again. And, oh, the dream. If we could just see the dream and da, 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 And, and, and I don't have any problem with that. It was, it's sincere. And we still need that in the world today, Daryl. We still need it in the world today. It's jacked up. It's messed up because we haven't answered the real problem. We've sugarcoated it. We've stuck a Band-Aid on top of it. Take two of these, call me in the morning. I mean, this is, what, this is the world that we live in. But we're not answering the real issues. The real issues, like the whole rest of the week on Instagram, ESPN, blowing up my news feed with multi-millionaire-making basketball players fighting each other on a basketball court in front of everybody. So you, 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 want, you want blacks and whites to get along. And in, in, in the answer of racial equality. But we can't carry the same process and the same root issue over. And so we, you cannot expect to cure the very problem that you highlight. We're going to highlight people fighting. And it's going to be all over the thing all night long. And it's going to be on every top ten reel that you can find all night long. And we love it. And it gets the crowd going. And this is what they want. It's energy. It's passion. No, it's idiocracy. 
that people don't have love for their brother. This is the problem. This is what culture wants you to do. Culture wants you to answer, fix the symptom and never take care of the source. Never share the real issue. If we could just value one another as made in God's image human beings on this planet. I don't care what color. It's not a skin color. It's a heart. It's not a skin problem. It's a heart problem. But until we get to the root of the issue, we got to get to the root. And until you reveal, when you reveal how deep you're willing to go, it will determine how far you're willing to go. I mean, we, we, we counsel married couples, and, and, and they bring to us surface issues, of course. It's about the laundry, and it's about the toothpaste cap being left off, and it's, it, it, it's about... But, but we know. We sit on the other side of that table and say, this ain't about one another. How deep you're willing to go. Doctor, fix it. Okay, we're going to have to do it. Oh, that's all right, man. I'll live with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. Happens all the time. We probably need to go into your childhood a little bit. You willing to go that deep? You probably saw an a unhealthy marriage growing up for 18 years of your life, and all you can do is vomit that stuff onto your spouse. So no wonder. You had a, a poor example. We've got to show you what God thinks about it. We gotta show you what God says about it. Because he's got the answer. He's not up in heaven saying, Well, this is a head scratcher, man. This is whew. He's got the answer. We have the answer. The church has the answer. But we've got to be willing to address not just the fruit. See, you, you can't complain about the fruit when you don't take care of the root. Don't complain about what's hanging off of your tree. I can go to your root system and say, well, this has been neglected for 12 years. You're not connected down here. You've got a problem in the soil. You've got a problem. We need to dig this out. We need to cut that out. We need to remove this branch. And then before you know it, you're going to see what we love to do is, is we want to fix everything on the surface. We did a, a parenting thing, um, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, I guess, and the, the individual that was teaching the lessons um, uh, he, he said that his wife, they had an apple tree out in the backyard. And his wife came to him and said, there's, there's no apple tree. There's something wrong with the apple tree. There's no apple tree. The apples are bad. They're, 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 we can't do anything with that. And so he said, so I went to the market. I bought a bunch of apples. I went to Home Depot, bought a, a staple gun, and I stapled apples to the tree. There you go. <laughs> What's the problem? We fix it at the surface. But guess what happens next to you when you're looking for the same fruit? You're going to have to go through the same mess. He was talking about this with parenting. In parenting, we need to fix the root of the issue so that we're not raising children with the same dysfunction on the inside and we're just covering it up on the outside. Amen. We can't allow... Culture to dictate our lives. And culture is conflicted. 
They don't even know what they know. And they'll get you on that roller coaster. And you'll ride that thing. We won't have an answer. But in John chapter 17, John chapter 17 and verse 15, John 17 verse 15, Jesus is praying. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Did y'all know he prayed that? Did did y'all know that was in there? He snuck that one in there. That was tricky. I thought you came to get me to heaven. And you're saying, you don't want to even take me out of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The evil one is not your boss. It's not your spouse. You probably should have clarified. You probably should have defined that. Oh, the evil one. Yeah, keep me from the evil one. No, he means the enemy. But watch what he says in verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They're not of the world, but I've got them there to influence the world. They're not of it. Of means from. It means source. That means where you come from. So they don't come from the world because culture cannot influence culture. It can't influence itself. So we need an outside source. I need a third party. I need to send in someone that's got heaven inside of them, and then they can take that everywhere they go, and they're going to change that culture, change the world. Because you know God is still interested in the world. Yes, this planet that we all want to leave and get away from, God is still saying, I want to bring them into my kingdom. I desire that none perish. I love them. I gave my son for them, knowing that people would turn their backs on him, even in the greatest act of love. And so the very thing we wish to depart from, he's saying, I've got you there for that purpose. That's why I need you there. You're not of the world. You're not of the world. You cannot change what you complain about. can't change what frustrates you in a bad frustration. I told our leadership several years ago that there's a good frustration. You get frustrated enough that you make a change. You get fr- I'm so frustrated with this addiction, I'm, I'm getting rid of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes. I'm frustrated with how I'm treating my, my wife. I'm going to get help. I need, I need help. I, this, can't, this can't go in. There's a good frustration, but, but, but many of us are poorly frustrated in unhealthy ways. And wanted to abandon. I thank God that he did not have an abandonment plan. Genesis chapter 3, we fall. Genesis chapter 3, we come right back to him. I mean, that quick. That fast. God didn't choose. Well, that plan didn't work. Let's find something else. No, but he said, how do I correct this? See, he didn't choose to replace you. He chose to restore you. He chose to put you back. He didn't say, well, that didn't work. Scratch that. Let's start over. No, he said, okay, so if that happens, then this is going to come in play and get that back in place. And he came to restore you. Jesus came to restore you right back where he found you. He found you in the garden. That's where we lost the authority. That's where we lost the kingdom. He said, I'm going to get them back in the position that they were. And he didn't restore us back to heaven because man wasn't in heaven in the first place. 
We were right here in the garden. Adam and Eve weren't sitting around. Jesus is coming. When are we all going back up there? No, they were made out of the dust of the ground, and they were there to influence, to control. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the things that creep on the earth. Let them have authority. And so when man ate that fruit, when Eve ate that fruit, Adam ate that fruit, they didn't fall from heaven. They fell from dominion. They fell from their authority. They lost their position on the earth to rule and reign over it. And now we were being subdued by the very thing we were supposed to be subduing. And we were talking to things, having communication with things that we were supposed to be controlling. So Jesus came back to restore you, to put you back. If, if I have this Bible, you've seen me do this a hundred times. There's probably at least one or two people in here who haven't seen it. If I have this Bible sitting on this podium and it falls on the ground, it falls just like man fell, and I go and I take this Bible and I place it on this chair, have I restored the Bible? No, to restore the Bible, you have to put it back where you found it. Where it was. Where it was originally before it fell. So for Jesus to come and say, I'm going to come down across so I can yank you all back up to heaven wouldn't be restoration. That'd be plan B. That'd be a whole new plan. See, God didn't even have a plan B. That's what we, that's what we used to say. Well, thank God he had a plan B. No, no, no. He had plan A. That's the only plan he's ever had. And when it broke, he fixed it. He didn't abandon it. He didn't walk away from it. He didn't say, well, that didn't work. Let's go find something else. He said, I'm going to make plan A work. Plan A will work. Plan A works. I have created an earth that looks like heaven. I've created man that looks like me. Man's going to control it. If they fall, I'm going to get them back in authority. So Jesus came in Matthew chapter 16. He said what? To you I've given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on where? Earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose where? On earth is loose in heaven. So whatever we do here, heaven reciprocates. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for us. But we have this conforming issue. I can't influence what I'm conformed to. I can't influence what I become. Actually, what's happened is I'm the one that's been influenced. I'm the one that's been changed. It's no different when the Israelites went into the promised land. They went in there to change that territory. That's what God sent them in there to do. And what they do? They became just like them. Go read it. Book of Judges. They started marrying the people from there. They began uh, unequally yoked with. The, and, and look, we do this all the time. Not just in marriage, but we do. We unequally yoke ourselves to the world and then we expect to transform it. It's not happening. You don't transform what you conform to. You don't change what you tolerate. See, this is how culture shows, shows up. See, 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 culture begins in tolerance. Because what you tolerate becomes accepted. And what is accepted becomes normal. And what's normal is your culture. So you run a business and you have 
a rule. Arrive on time. Pretty simple rule. Work starts at 10. We want you to be here at 945, in place, ready to go, uh, ready to open up the shop, do whatever. And so we digress because that's the natural tendency. We don't need to get upset about that. Hey, I noticed you're running behind the last couple of weeks. Uh, can we just make sure that we're here at 945 is the time we need to be here, make sure things are ready to go? But if we don't, you begin to talk to them. Ah, uh, it's just 10.01. Comes 10.03. Comes 10.05. And you can tell me all day long you have a culture of promptness in your workplace, but I'm watching all your employees float through here one, two, five, ten minutes past time. You have a culture of lateness. You have a culture of tardiness in your company. You have a culture. And, and it all began with tolerating. And then it just became accepted. Well, you know. Acceptance is the opposite of change. Acceptance is the opposite of, of doing something about it. And then it just becomes normal. Like they're not even thinking, man, I'm running late today. It's just automatic. Oh, 10 2 man. It, it's not, it, they don't even, it doesn't even process in their mind. And before you know it, you have a culture. You have a culture. See, we, we can't change as believers. We can't change what we tolerate. You just had a gentleman talk about something on this stage that's only, it's never talked about in church. The only time you hear about it is by the wrong people. I see children in this room. And they know more about it than some of us do. And they know about it way sooner than you'd like them to. But it's not being echoed in churches. I'm not saying we talk about it in an impure way. I'm talking about showing them purity. Because when we give them what's real, they will forsake what's fake. They'll recognize, that's, that's not the stuff we talk about at my church. We don't do that stuff before marriage. That's fake. That's not love. If I love you, I'll wait. I'll, I, won't, I won't do that when my wife goes to sleep and no one's looking. I'll, I'll, no, I don't want to do that. You see, when you don't give them what's real, they can't identify what's not. It's culture. Culture. And, of course, they want to address everything on the surface level. Well, let's just hand out stuff that will help them not get pregnant. You know, we don't want any of those. No, no diseases. Surface. And it's not even abstinence. Abstinence is a byproduct of looking at the opposite sex the correct way. When you look at them the way that God made you, and I wouldn't want to do anything that would devalue your worth. And I wouldn't want to do anything to you. I wouldn't want to talk about you that way. I wouldn't want to look at you that way. And I want to look at anything on the internet that would skew my view of you. If I look at that, my marriage is messed up. If I look at that, I'm going to have a hard time even showing my wife the love that, I, that she needs. So that's all byproduct of looking at a human being as someone that God made in his image. We're going to deal with the source. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, wrapping this up. 
Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New creation, new culture. New creation, new nature. New creation, new... See, culture is basically, at the end of the day, a way of doing things. And I'm going to say something that might sound kind of hard initially, so just bear with me. But I know as Americans, you know, we see this place culturally as a melting pot, and I love it. And I love that our church is diverse, and it's getting even more and more diverse. I love it. And it's going to continue because heaven's diverse. If you don't like, if you don't like that color, if you don't like the way they talk, then you have a hard time in heaven. Goodness. I, I mean, just simple stuff. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Simple. But I want to say this. The kingdom of God is not a cultural melting pot. And I'm not talking physical, Puerto Rican, uh, black, Hispanic. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about culture of the world and culture of the kingdom. I want to make something very clear. You might not hear it in a lot of churches today. You can come as you are, but you cannot stay as you are. This verse tells me I become a new creature, new creation. New creations have new habits. New creations have new ways that they talk to people. New creations have treat people differently. Well, that's just how I am. I'm just real short. I don't care. Get rid of it. Because that's not kingdom. That's the world that tells you that. It's called self-control. It's called controlling your tongue. It's called watching your mouth. Okay? I, I know we live in America where we just, it's just accept, embrace everybody. But Jesus is not embracing who you were. He's embracing who you can become. But you're going to have to let go of the junk. And I know it's a process. I'm not saying it's an event. I'm not saying you, you come to church and just look all churchy. That's why we're here is to help. Uh, someone, uh, the other day I was talking to someone about the building over there, and it said, you know, it's a work in progress. I said, this church is a work in progress. We're, we are works in progress. Hello. But I hope we're works in progress and not works in digress. I'm working on it, but it ain't getting any better. That's not a work in progress. Work in progress means we're making some headway. I, I, I may not have it all together, but I don't say all the words I used to say. And, and I may, I may uh, still have a little bit of a temper, but it's not as quick and short as it was. Well, then we're making progress, works of progress. That's what we are. But you can't bring your world culture into the kingdom. It won't happen. It's not going to happen. Well, he accepts you. No, he doesn't. He demands change. Change. He says right here, in fact, I'm going to change you so good, they're not even going to recognize you. You're going to get around the same family members. They're going to be like, you want to go drinking? Ah, oh, man, I don't do that. What do you mean you don't do that? You're the one that drank more than anybody else. 
They won't even recognize you. Why? Because you're a new creation. That word new denotes something that's never existed before. Come on, new culture. New culture. I mean, you can look at Philippians chapter 5. Philippians chapter 5 tells us culture. Philippians, that's, that's all that the fruit of the Spirit is. You realize that, right? It's just culture. Didn't have it in there, so they may, they may load it up or not. Philippians chapter Galatians chapter 5. There we go. You should be preaching. I'll give you the mic next week. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's, it's, it's that simple. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't answer to the culture that you used to be. You'll answer to the culture that you've become. Walk in the Spirit. New culture. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. There's that struggle so that you do not do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. It's not in secret. I don't know who you're flesh. No, that's flesh. Uncleanness, adultery, fornication, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So if yours isn't listed, it falls under the and the like category. <laughs> oh, good. Whew. That's the end of the list. Mine's not on there. That's in there. It's and the like. That's old culture. That's the culture of the world. This age, Romans 12 says. Just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's practice mean? That means you're giving effort, right? If I'm practicing a sport, I'm giving effort to get better at it. We've got to quit identifying. I'm going to help you now. I'm going to quit. We have to quit identifying ourselves by what we do occasionally, and you've got to start focusing on what you do habitually. If you are habitually on time and then one day happens and you, you show up late, you're, I'm not going to say, they're always late. They're just, they're just tardy people. That's just what they are. Can't count on them for nothing. But no, it's those that are consistently tardy, right? They practice it. Like it's, it's ongoing. It's a habit. It's, it, it, is there any effort to change? Is there any, are you putting anything in place to get any better at this? Got a promptness issue. So there's, there's your difference. Those who practice, what does he say? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's impossible. You can't take on a kingdom that you won't submit your culture to. But then he goes on to say, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, fruit, it's love. Joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh 
with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It says, don't walk around saying that you are, but you don't show it. If you are on the inside, it should show up on the outside. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Worship team, if you come. We're talking about culture. This year, the accomplishments, the growth, the development. See, this is the thing about culture. When you want to switch cultures, you're going to have to eliminate some things, and you're going to have to add some things. Just naturally speaking, if we had someone come over here from the U.K., and wanted to come live in the United States, they're going to have to, we're not going to say, oh, you drive on that side of the road? That's cool. Just be careful. There's people coming your way. No. You transform your driving ability. Come on. That's culture. Culturally accepted in one place isn't culturally accepted in another. So he's going to have to eliminate his old driving style. He's going to have to add. He's going to have to learn. What is it this year that you're going to have to eliminate? That culture won't work here. That culture won't work in the kingdom. But man, I got a better culture for you. It's better here. I've got a better answer. Uh, Anger and wrath, that's not going to work here. But I've got a better answer for it, man. It's love. It's love. And you thought you felt good when you were angry. I'm going to show you how good you can feel when you're loving. Dissensions, strife, bickering, that that won't work here. But I've got an answer for it. And it's way better than what you got. Because you were were fighting battles you were never going to win anyway. You just wanted to be the last one talking or the loudest one in the room. You never really wanted, intended to be right. You just wanted to sound right. Now I can show you how to love your brother, love one another as Christ has loved you. It's culture. It's culture. We've got to eliminate. We've got to add. You have to let some things go, and you're going to have to take some things on. It's so worth it. You don't want to live a life with one foot in, one foot out. I'm telling you. It's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. And I I, I don't want to sacrifice what God has for me in the long term for what I want for myself in the short term. I don't want to satisfy my needs of the flesh now at the expense of my future. I want all that God has for me. So I'm going to let go of some things today. And it may hurt to let go of it now, but I'm going to rejoice in the end. We're going to take on the kingdom culture. Father, we thank you. We thank you. You have given us a new way, a new start. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature, new nature. But a new creature has a new culture. Father, we want to take on that culture. We want to take on that the way you think and the way that you talk the way that you respond. Father, we want to take on what we believe and, 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 and change. We want to be transformed 
by the renewing of our mind. We stop ourselves now, cold in our tracks, now, right now. And we will no longer conform to what the world has, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We renew our mind, our thinking. We change our mind. We set our mind on things above, not on things below. We know that the way I think determines the way that I live. And so if I can change my thinking, I can change my life. Father, we thank you for your grace, your empowerment to live above sin, to live above the culture of the world, to live beyond and and, and not become frustrated by what's around us, but start changing and transforming what's around us. For your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.